Hello and welcome back to the Villa Filler podcast. I'm here as always with my good friend Dan Wiseman. Dan, it's just not good tonight, is it? It's just not been a good day. No, it's been a bad one for you, mate. Um, we're uh, running on fumes here tonight on the Villa Filler podcast. We're um, Dan's having to go, as he said, uh, before he came on it off the ice. Here, so having some internet struggles over there, aren't you, my man? So um, it's not this good. Should be usual. No tales of XG, I imagine, tonight, unfortunately. No XG. I don't want to look at the XG tonight, oh. mate. I don't even want to. <laughs> You've got the night off XG, mate. You've got the night off. <laughs> no, it was... Um, no, to be fair, mate, it's one where if you were going to have one game to miss out on seeing the stats afterwards, it was probably this one because it, it didn't read particularly pretty. Um, as you can well imagine tonight, not the best game for the Villa boys, but not their worst, I would say. I think the first half, and I think, you know, I want to be impartial here on the Villa Villa podcast, as always, and top this pod by just saying, fair play to West Ham. What a performance from them. To a manner, I, I thought they were excellent tonight. I thought they were really organised. I thought they provided a, a whole host of problems for the Villa. And even I think if Villa were at our best, they would have gave, uh, given us a real game tonight. I don't think they got the best of Villa. I don't think they got the worst. Um, but I think we certainly got the best to West Ham. And I think you've got us, you know, sort of type this podcast by saying that I, I think that's the best West Ham side I've ever seen Villa play in recent years. Yeah, no, they they, uh, they came to Villa Park and really caught Villa off guard. We saw that in West Ham's last game against Liverpool, whereby Klopp made the the slight tactical adjustment of playing a 4-4-2 diamond, which really caught West Ham off guard with their uh, back three, just because of Liverpool's personnel issues. Thought they'd change it up, keep West Ham on their toes. And throughout that game, they didn't really lay a glove on West Ham. But, uh, so, you know, they've come into this game tonight against Villa at Villa Park and they've caught Villa off guard. They've changed their formation. They went and, and, and matched Villa in many ways. And, you know, really playing Fredericks and, uh, and Kufau on that right-hand side to nullify the threat of Jack Grealish. Did the job. David Moyes, uh, you That's know, re- yep. re- reading from the uh, the Marcelo Bielsa playbook on how to beat Villa at Villa Park. It's a shock that Villa haven't actually lost as many games as they have so far this season when there's been two glaringly obvious uh, blueprints of how to overcome Aston Villa, uh, especially at home. It's a frustrating one to take tonight, Dan, but from from the get-go, you were seeing Jesse Lingard aggressively pressing. He's well up for it. He's not played a, a Premier League game in like a year and a half or, or, or something like that. He's, you know, he's had minutes here and there in the Europa League. He's not scored for Manchester United in the longest time. And, uh, you know, funnily enough, a player who we spoke about on the Transfer Room Member podcast, Dan, who I think out of the two of us, I was certainly more open to the move and everyone in the comments was well against it. Now, where are you guys at, man? Two goals against the Villa, Jesse Lingard <laughs> doing bits. Um, you know, he really did. He exuded that kind of new signing energy that's really important. Uh, he he played really well. It doesn't come as much of a surprise to me at all. But what did, Dan, was the severe lack of intensity from our Villa boys tonight, mate. Yeah, I, absolutely. Um, West Ham were to a man. The whole game, I, mean, I know this is a sort of really basic observation, but it just crediting West Ham, it just felt like we were playing against 12 men. Yeah. In every department, it just seemed like we were just coming up against brick walls. Um, Fredericks and Kufel on Villa's um, on West Ham's right, Villa's left was a masterstroke because I, I don't think what I've seen, but Jack Grealish less involved in a Premier League game for a long, long time. I mean, 
whoever's West Ham scout is to Central Europe, that man deserves a pay rise. Picking up Kuch, um, Kufal and Suchek, uh, I mean, Suchek, I, I think he's taking penalties away. Sorry, you know, um, any Bruno fans that are listening. Uh, he's the top scoring midfielder in the Premier League this season. Uh, and he's been, a, just seems in every game, he's managing to find the onion bag. Um West Ham played with an intensity and an organisation that left me. And it's funny you mentioned Marcelo Bielsa in that Leeds game because it's a similar feeling I came away with afterwards, just feeling we just lost to a far better team out there. Yeah, I think that's there totally wasn't really. Fair. Yeah, there, there wasn't really, you know, from the Villa, I think we were a little bit stagnant defensively. Um, and I think we were... I think the, the win that we had in the Southampton game masked how we were overrunning midfield in that game too. I think this is yeah. that's two games in a row now where I felt that Villa have struggled to live up to a midfield battle and truly contest. And I know West Ham's midfield with Rice and Suchek and the like, um, who are surprised. Suchek plays a lot higher at the pitch than you'd think, doesn't he? I mean, it's, he gets all of these goals, which you sort of think, but he sort of operates in a tenant points, and that, that's quite a sight. But um, it's a very physical West Ham midfield. And John McGinn, unfortunately, just got lost out there. Physicality is the key word for me, Dan, tonight. Looking at Villa, the midfield didn't exist for the whole game. And uh, I don't really think, you know, they, they left the defence to hang out and dry. They they really let the defence down tonight. There's going to be a lot of naysayers, Tyrone Mings, haters again. It's just not, I'm, I'm not having that discussion again, man. But I feel like it's becoming a <laughs> weekly occurrence. The midfield severely let down that uh, severely let down the Villa defence tonight. It was frustrating because, as you know, as Leeds have proved, as Brighton have proved, if you want to win at Villa Park, press aggressively. Like we're not talking like half press. We're not talking, you know, just press up onto the halfway line. You've got to press right on top of Villa because you know when that press is high, John McGinn, Ross Barkley, they're nowhere to be seen. They're completely missing in action and it forced the defenders to play constant long balls all night, Dan. It, it was it was really quite troublesome for for Villa. And and again, another reason why it's leaving the defence out to out to dry, because Mings is having to play these long balls. And yep. uh, Villa don't have that kind of physicality as you alluded to, like someone like Declan Rice has or Thomas Sushek has in that midfield, whereby you know they're not going to, you know, Barkley and McGinn aren't going to be winning headers uh, on these long balls that that Tyrone Mings is playing. Uh, and a point on Declan Rice, I've I've constantly tried to avoid the subject of Declan Rice because I've not quite formed an opinion of him yet. I've got to say, I know West Ham won, uh, you know, it's like he's playing soccer aid, man. Like he does everything right. It's just it it doesn't look right at all. Like he, he he's a soccer player, man. But um, that's my opinion on Declan Rice, as I'm sure everybody <laughs> has been waiting so patiently for, because I've constantly, uh, you know, been treading on eggshells with Declan Rice. But no, soccer baller at his best, man. Uh, but listen, Dan, <laughs> the first goal, it's a really frustrating one yep. for Villa to concede, isn't it? Talk us through that. Yeah, it was. Some really, again, I mean, I don't want to come on this podcast and be, and be too flattering of West Ham, but um, they just played play through us like we weren't there. I mean, it's a really nice ball from side Ben Rama and, and a really good finish from Suchek. Um, but Villa, you, you got the sense that we are not, I don't want to say that we allowed it to happen, but that goal was coming yeah. for a long time. 
I felt. And when it came, it was no surprise it came in the manner that it did um, or that the man that got it, uh, you know, there was no surprise there either. But the tides had been coming in against Villa for a long time. And whilst Dean made that half-time substitution, I feel like making those man-for-man switches like Bertrand, Pharrell Ghazi and the like weren't really going to do anything because I think we were having systematic problems. It was yeah. a, a formational issue that needed to change. Villa needed to change on far more than a personnel level. Uh, and so when the goal came, I can't say I was massively surprised, but it, it caught me a little bit by surprise. But no, it was um, it was a, a nice goal, I have to say. And, and you know, credit to uh, credit to that sort of si- uh, system and setup from West Ham that allows Benarama to come inside. You've got all kinds of problems. You know, Antonio is, is a big handful. I mean, amongst the Jake Lings, two goals and whatnot. It's another two assists for Mikhail Antonio tonight. And I'd know that because he's up front in my FPL. Uh, and that, but when the goal came, it, it you couldn't really feel too angry, mate, because it probably could have come a lot earlier than that. Yeah, it, it could have. And it's, it's the lack of plan B that, that worries me. I know a lot of people, you know, like I've seen yourself tweet down and you've said on this podcast so far, West Ham outplayed us. And a lot of people are kind of like, okay, you know, let's close that book, move on to the next game. But it's actually quite worrying because as you say, that Southampton game, we were hanging on for dear life. That was real backs to the wall defending and not because we, you know, we were desperately trying to hang on to the, like, well, we were desperately trying to hang on to this lead, but Villa weren't doing enough going forwards and we weren't seeing these game changes. It, it, the game management of this game yep. was completely atrocious. Yep. I think the way Villa set up, and you know, I appreciate West Ham quarters of guard, as I said earlier, with the formation and how they set up, but I feel I feel really bad for El Ghazi. We all know his his favoured position is on the left. It's a difficult one because you can't move Jack because that's his best position. If you wanted to change something, though, why not just give it a going game? Put Amor out on the left, see Jack mm-hmm. on the right. We saw Jack get his assist on the right with a wonderful ball, by the way. Get Jack away from that physicality, the battle that was, you know, constantly, he was constantly met with 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 Kufal on that right-hand side. It was like the two of them were going at war the whole game and we didn't really see much of Jack. We would have seen... Uh, him with a lot less pressure on Aaron Cresswell when he plays at left back is arguably one yeah. of the worst left backs in the league. I think it's fair to say uh, we've seen him kind of revitalize his career at West Ham playing in this left center back role in the, in the five back that they've been playing. Uh, but left back, you would fancy Jack, uh, you know, isolating Cresswell, getting the better of him more than he would with Kufal. So it's these little changes in game that, that frustrate me. And uh, as you say, bringing a like for like change on, uh, Bertrand seemed to start the game uh, when he came on. He 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 ran. He, he, there was a bit of intensity, but again, he went missing like plenty of other Villa players did. Dan and I know Douglas Louise was booked. Made sense bringing him off later on. Uh, then you know bringing off Barkley, who probably arguably should have came off earlier. When the problem yep. is the formation, and you know you you've clearly not got the men in the midfield who are doing the work, and it you're not seeing them bodies transition forward as well. Making like for like substitutions isn't going to change anything, really. It's not. You needed to. You needed to either pack that midfield, yep. or, 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 I don't know. Just as I say, just change the the little things like Amwar on the left, Jack on the right. Something different. It's uh, it's this yep. game management or lack of that from Dean that has actually had me quite worried over the past few games. By no means is this a Dean out or whatever. Before people 
get all irate in the comments. It's just naivety on Dean's behalf, I'd say, Dan. Yeah, for, for sure, mate. And look, you know, one thing I do want to highlight is West Ham, it was only really when I saw the players that they were bringing on that you you note the bench and the squad that they're starting to put together. I mean, on the bench, you've got Andrei Yarmolenko, Bamal Lanzini, Pablo Fornals, Jared Bowen, Issa Diop. Um, you know, that's a that's a really nice set of players. And uh, for, for a club of, you know, when I say West Ham stature, you sort of know, considering where they were at the end of the last season, that's a really nice talent pool that you can dive into. Um, and I think that gives them the ability to not only see out games like they did today, it also gives them the ability to change games. And But as West Ham go from game to game, the problems or the lack of therefore for them are, are similar. You know, I was so impressed by how they did it against the Villa tonight. I mean, despite having far less possession, we only got two shots on target against West Ham, which is funnily enough, the same amount that Everton managed against West Ham. It's the same amount that West Brom managed against West Ham. It's the same amount that Doncaster managed against them in the FA Cup. It's the same amount that Crystal Palace managed against them. West Ham just can shut teams out like this. And I thought when we've seen that resolute nature that West Ham play with in so many recent games, um, it should have been a, a sign for Villa to do that little bit more as you were talking about mate to have that tactical plan b and it's actually funny when you and i were uh, talking about comparing the 80809 side to the current side um in our football manager stream and just off air generally we noted a, a lack of plan b in both i mean plan b for martin o'neill was always emil heskey at 70 minutes and for dean smith it seems it's trezeguet um for you know one of two players and that problem with villa and dean's We've ultimately built a squad to play four three three or four two four two three one. Yeah, like that. Those formations are like what we've centered recruitment around. It's what this whole squad is built around. And you know, when Wesley's back and the like, that that gives you potential to go to a two up top. But a lot of people say this, don't they? It's like you know, when Wesley's back, we can play a two up front, and it's like that's not as easy as it sounds. Because mm. do you then play a four four two? Which midfield pairing do you play in a four four two? I mean, you know, if you play. I'd, I, you can't play Louise and McGinn in a two in midfield because bless them, they haven't got the physicality. We've seen tonight, you know, if you play them against a three-man midfield and you're playing a 4-4-2, they just get overrun. Yeah. Um, you know, do you want to go to a 3-5-2, a but then do you play the wingers in the wide spots or do you play the fullbacks? You know, it's 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 not as easy as, oh, well, Wesley's coming back, this gives us a plan B. It's, it's There's actually a lot more to read into it than that. And so Villa's sort of plan B or the lack of has been something that we've noted about Dean Smith for some time. And it's frustrating that it hasn't been addressed, but you know, perhaps he, he hasn't had the tools and I didn't really agree with Sanson being brought on tonight. Seemed a bit of a, a baptism of fire, to be honest with you in, in that game. I think for him, just throwing him on with 10 minutes to go against a side that are running away with that midfield seemed a bit harsh. I think you, you're you probably best off at that point, just leaving him until the weekend yeah. uh, and giving him that start against Arsenal. But um what I saw from Jesse Lingard tonight, Dan, was everything that I want to see from Ross Barkley. Yeah, no, uh, it, and that's that's frustrating. And but uh, yeah, I'm gonna throw it, before I throw it back to you, mate. There's a chance on the half an hour mark. Don't know if you remember it. Uh, a free kick gets swung in, drops to Ross about eight yards out, and he volleys it. It goes wide of the post. That probably should have gone in, and, and 
that just just summed up his game, didn't it? From that moment, it could have been a different game, but it just wasn't to be for us tonight. Yeah, I, I feel like Villa just tried to play it too cute. And we have this way of playing where, you know, we like to try and do these nice little uh, one-touch, this flick. Uh, we like we, we go for the eye of the needle pass all the time and it clearly doesn't pay off, especially when you're as organised, you're as well-drilled and as physical as West Ham are. Yeah, sure, you can you can pass the ball around. You've got to be quick enough. You've got to make them right decisions. West Ham knew exactly where Villa were every single time. Ross Barkley knew that that ball, he's going to look for Jack Grealish every single time. And there was a real lack of awareness from Villa's midfield tonight. And, you know, particularly with Ross, particularly with McGinn, didn't feel like McGinn had a very good game at all. But, you know, with Ross, it was... When things are going really well, Ross Barkley's your man. That's uh, He's not the kind of guy clearly to pick you up out of a rut, drive Villa forward. Because we'd seen it. He second guesses himself when he's in that position, when yep. he has to drive the ball forward. When he has time to think about it, he doesn't know what to do. Um, and especially with how they nullified Jack, that's that's his out ball. One, two with Grealish, float around yep. Grealish. Defenders draw, uh, Grealish draws defenders in, Ross Barkley's in space. But Jack Grealish was MIA, not his fault. I mean, wonderfully deployed tactic by West Ham. Kufal and Fredericks did absolutely what they had to to keep our captain quiet. So I felt like Ross was really lost tonight. I don't think he has quite that relationship with everyone else in the squad. Um, Sanson easily could have came on earlier, but it's it's that. And, you know, for the second goal, it kind of epitomised Ross's performance perfectly. How Ross Barkley let Suchet get the run on him and uh, to, to slot that ball in. Again, that came from... Uh, Villa needlessly having to to play upfield, play a long ball. Mings had to play it because there's no options from that midfield. The midfield was stagnant. They were standing there. Mings had to play that ball long and it invites pressure yeah. on when you do that. And and Barkley caught ball watching. As soon as Sushek, as soon as Sushek ran past him, first thing he does, looks over his shoulder, see who he can blame, Russ Barkley. And it was a great yeah. goal from Sushek. Uh, the, the midfield has to be more aware of them runners. I mean, come on, he's six foot four, man. You should be able to spot a six foot four runner from the <laughs> midfield. Let's be honest. And that I feel like that passage of play just summed up Villa all night. And I think this is the first yeah. and only podcast where I'm going to say, Dan, Emmy Martinez, what the hell? Oh, yeah. What the hell? He yeah, had a trim. I, I, I felt that that can't have been him. <laughs> That can't have been Emmy tonight. He had he no, had was, a stinker, especially for that third yeah, goal. That, yeah, that was not. But you know, it's that, that's the first time I've ever looked at something Emmy's done this season and gone, mm, could have done better there, mate. Uh, and you know that it's a lack of confidence, Dan. It's a lack of confidence. Yeah, but he he looked. I've never seen him like that, man. Yeah, it was the. It really, there's Villa, this Villa side really win and lose as a team, don't they? There's such a sense of togetherness in the squad and you can sort of, felt, you felt that whole lack of confidence just dropping as the tides turn and the game seemed more obvious as to how it was going to play out. You saw Villa sort of regress a little bit and ultimately accept it. And uh, look, you know, it, that that Emmy goal is is so the link uh, the Lingard second goal that Emmy's should have done better with it's it's one of those where you know he'll he'll recover he'll bounce back if there's anyone in the squad that I'd bet my bank on it would be it would be Emmy but you know it wasn't this is a, a bit of a hoodoo really for Villa Dan I mean we we haven't beaten West Ham in five now last time we beat them was 2015 it was 1-0 at Villa Park funnily enough uh, Tom Cleverley scored that day what is it about Manchester 
United low knees in Villa Park, West Ham against Villa. Who knows? Um, but also the month of February, man. Now, I don't know what it is. The, the love is clearly not in the air for the Villa boys in February. We've lost 15 of our last 17 games in all competitions in the month of February. Um, so it doesn't re- make for particularly nice reading looking at the month ahead. But we... We got a nice goal. Let you know. Let's let's talk some positives, Dan. I think we got a, a nice goal, Jack. You know, it probably says a lot about West Ham tonight that it took a ball of that quality from from Jack to to unzip West Ham, and it was a really nice finish from from Ali. Uh, got got to hand it to him. Really happy to see him go out and get another goal tonight. I wish it could have been in better circumstances, but you know that's almost a goal every other game for Ali this season. Which, when you consider the little drought that he went through to have nine from twenty this season, is is really nice. Add to that a couple of assists, and you're getting a goal contribution more than every other game. Uh, he's in, you know, that's also three goals, one assist in his last four. Um, that, that's something to be to be uh, to be smiling about, mate, for sure. And uh, Jack, that's three games in a row now. I think he's provided an assist, unless I'm mistaken. It was a really good finish by Ali, and you know, if there's anyone who I feel sorry for in this team, it's him because he does get a lot of unwarranted stick from the fans on social media. And, uh, you know, rival fans as well, to be honest. They're kind of looking at Watkins and going, well, you know, he's not quite Timo Werner yet. But, um, I mean, it, I find it mad to say, considering the amount of goals he scored, obviously 11 goals this season on comps is is remarkable. And it, what's even funnier is that he could have had a lot more uh, if, it was, if it wasn't for VAR. So, you know, when I watch Ollie... I'm just filled with joy. He's a proper forward that we've not had at the club for the longest time. You know, even comparing him to someone like Tammy Abraham, Tammy didn't. Tammy didn't do what Ollie does. He just doesn't. No. You know, Tammy scored yeah. the goals. Tammy knew where the onion bag was. You know how to hit it. But at the end of the day, Ollie Watkins overall, he he works so hard, and when he gets a goal, I I, I think I actually get more excited when he scores than when Jack does. It's, it's it, he he deserves you really it want him to do well, don't you? Yeah. You see, you see him. 100%. You cl- clipped the outside of the post earlier. He's the first one to berate himself. You know, I was worried when I saw the Instagram story of him reading a book on like how to deal with criticism. I'm thinking, bloody hell, have we? we he's not. <laughs> he's been here like four months. Yeah, literally, literally. <laughs> that sums it up. What life is playing for Aston Villa. It really does. Uh, you know, ad- adored by many, of course, um, but. It's it, it was a nice passage of play. The ball from Jack Grealish, sensational. He's afforded that space. Uh, Ogbonna caught ball watching, allows Ollie that space to run yep. in. Um, but, you know, Jack, that's that's the ability that Jack Grealish has. He draws Ogbonna yep. out. He draws Cresswell out. It's a perfectly weighted ball. Uh, Ollie, clinical as ever to finish that chance. Really good for him. I'm sure a lot of FPL players will be, will be delighted with a Grealish assist and an Ollie Watkins goal because... You know, Emmy Martinez, he's in about 40% of people's teams and he's... Uh, Letting people down. To that, I mean, tonight yeah. he has, yeah. You know, so... Well, you know, we're, we're, we're not going to look too much into that, Dan. I just, I just had to say that was a Absolutely really poor performance from, from Emmy. And uh, to be honest, Dan, I, I felt like after the Liverpool game, and we said this on the stream, and I think we said... Uh, yeah, we said this on the stream because we didn't... The West Ham game hadn't happened by the time we'd recorded the podcast, but... I felt like it was a good time to play West Ham. I feel like we're not going to get a better time to play Arsenal, Dan. Two two red cards yeah. against Wolves the other night. David Luiz went, which was scandalous. Even the Leno one, absolutely. Officials in this country are an absolute joke. But you know they're going to play. Uh, Matt Ryan's injured, so 
Um, I think it may be the the young lad who played in the FA Cup that will that will feature yeah, his name has, has, has escaped me. That's the one. Renison, uh, wrong one. Who will got my sons mixed up? <laughs> we can forgive you for that, Dan. It's okay. Um, so there's there are some positives to be taken. Arsenal don't look this impenetrable force, but I mean it's still going to be tough, Dan, especially if Villa perform anything like that tonight. Yeah, uh, the problem is, mate, is that you know with Arsenal of late, you, you really don't know what side is going to turn up on any given day. I mean, you know, if you if you look back at their recent results, um, they had that that four 0 win at the Baggies, which was really impressive, wasn't it? That they looked really good that day. Yeah. I mean, I know it's against West Brom, Pedro Salt, and all that, but they played really well. They, but then when it beat Newcastle in the FA Cup, was suddenly looking rosy. They then looked piss poor in a nil nil draw with Palace at home. They then go back to Newcastle, beat them 3-1. They then, again, in the FA Cup, looked absolutely abysmal as they lose to Southampton. Literally three days later, against exactly the same team, looked like world beaters as they go back down to the South Coast, beat them 3-1. They draw with 0-0 in a fairly unremarkable performance and then go back to the Arsenal of old. In the Wolves game, it's really hard to predict what to expect from this game because I'm not sure you know what Arsenal you're going to get, but... You know, the same and exactly the same side of the coin, mate. Who knows what Villa are going to turn up? We've shown so many different Villa sides in the, in the last few games. Um, you know, things look really good against Newcastle. We then saw the capitulation at Burnley. We saw, yeah, you know, uh, perhaps a bit of fortune, but certainly some resoluteness against Southampton to then the complete antithesis of that tonight. It's two sides who sit ninth and tenth in the Premier League this season because that largely because of inconsistency over the last month. Uh, and for Arsenal, it's hard to say um, exactly what you're going to get, but it's nice to see an early kickoff. Been a while yeah, for once, for uh, once. Yeah, I mean, we can Half actually get 12. the podcast out at a good time, Dan. You know, yeah. hopefully I'll yeah, be at the game, sure. so it, you know, it'll still be later. But oh, it, nice, it, it won't be at an offensive time like tonight's probably will be. Um, it's probably the next day as you guys are, are watching this. It's probably it's probably Thursday now, but. Um, it's going to, it is going to be tough, Dan. And, you know, we're seeing Leeds pick up points. Um, struggled tonight, though. I mean, they, they really struggled tonight against Everton. Lost 2-1. But, you know, looking at the table, they're just below Arsenal. It's, uh, if, if we're serious about mounting this challenge, Dan, we've got to start winning these games. We, we really do. We've got some... Yeah, we've got to start this. Yeah, We've got some, uh, some difficult games coming up after this one, Dan. So, you know, if we can get some some points against uh, an Arsenal that are, are hurting, let's be real, despite uh, a wonderful goal from Pepe. Nice to see him actually turn up yeah. uh, in the Premier League. Yeah, really good goal against Wolves, you know, despite the circumstances. But, I mean, let's be honest, these past two uh, games, this match week has been absolutely bizarre, Dan. We saw a 9-0 from Southampton, uh, from Manchester United against Southampton. Sorry, with two, two red cards in that. There was two red cards in obviously the Arsenal game, uh, there was a penalty that Man City definitely should have got uh, on a foul on Gabriel Jesus earlier tonight. Uh, things just, you know, flipped on their head, man. At home today. One nil to Brighton, of course, you know, and uh, you know they they only just you know walked through West Ham. So who knows what to expect? All we know is that we got to back the Villa boys to the hill, Dan. I think that's a good note to end this podcast on. Villa outclassed. Sure. Villa have got to show up against Arsenal. Will we see Sanson? What are you guys thinking? Let us know your score predictions Let's in cross. the comments below. I'm not going to ask for a man of the match tonight because 
there, there wasn't I don't one. think there was one. Um, <laughs> no, there, there really wasn't one. So let us know your predictions for our game against Arsenal in the comments below. And uh, what you thought of Morgan Sanson tonight? I mean, we didn't really touch on him too much, Dan. I thought he was tidy. Um, hopefully yep, we see some more of him against Arsenal. So as I say, let us know in the comments below. And if you're not, subscribe for more content. There will be another podcast after the Arsenal game. Up the villa.